I think we've got everyone back. So, so up there is some words, are some words, is some words. Every act prompted by your faith, every act prompted by your faith, which comes from First and Second Thessalonians, which is what we've been sort of soaking ourselves in today. And so with our rethink, rework, serve, review pattern that we're in now, this is the rework part. And the idea is, is that we're thinking very practically about what we've heard over the last few weeks and what we're going to do next Sunday. And so I thought this is a perfect thing to bring out from First and Second Thessalonians, every act prompted by your faith. And to simply say to you, it could be every work prompted by your faith. What is the one work, the one work prompted by your faith that will take place next Sunday? So I'm asking you to throw yourself in, to come out of the seat, to come into the starting posture with me and to go, oh, what am I going to do next week? To think about how your faith is going to prompt that. So at the end of this, we're actually going to share and get really awkward and uncomfortable. And it's perfectly acceptable for you to go, hey, Parky, I'm not quite into this whole paradigm yet. I haven't thought too much about it, but I'm going to think about it, but I don't have much to offer right now. Some of you I know have been thinking about it heaps, and I think it's going to be really good for everyone to hear that. So we're just going to finish off with a little bit of a share time at the end of this and ask, what is that one work, that one act prompted by a faith that's going to take place next Sunday? Because I've got one and I really need prayer about it. And I think that anyone who's going to be serious about this is going to find they're going to need lots of prayer. So Nicole's very timely word about prayer, I think, is essential to listen to because as you're going to see when I do this little sermon, if we don't have prayer, we don't have that connectedness to spirit, then we don't have faith, hope and love. And then we just have either legalism or ritualism or just this workspace stuff. We don't actually have the movement and the flow of the Holy Spirit within us. So, yeah, is that okay? Is that, does that sound a bit heavy? A bit awkward? A bit cringy? <laughs> awesome. So you might be wondering where on earth I got that every act prompted by your faith, and it's actually from 2 Thessalonians, and I'll read the whole lot. It's from 2 Thessalonians. It's Thessalonians is just a bit of a slight tongue twister, not quite there, but if your mind's already going ahead, you, you kind of tend to merge the, the, the thises. Um, 2 Thessalonians 1.11, with this in mind, so what Paul's saying, with this in mind, everything that you heard last week and the week before, everything that he's been saying in First and Second Thessalonians, essentially, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. So as you think to next Sunday, imagine God's power flowing within you, and prompting your faith and then prompting this one act, this, this one act of service. And think back to our couple of, last couple of sermons where we've seen that happen in a certain person, a nobody from nowhere, won't say his name, hold off if you can remember. We kind of proved the point a few times. We've already seen that embodied in him and in his church, which was the church at Thessalonica. What's that up on the board? What's that? It's a map. Yeah, what kind of map? It's a radar. Radar map. Weather radar. What, does it, what is it showing there? Delicious rain. Beautiful soaking rain that come in and just give us reprieve from the drought. This is a 
screen grab of the rain ban, the stream, the, the rain stream that came through yesterday. Who woke up in the morning and heard the rain? And it was just like, oh, it's almost like a burden lifts, isn't it? And then you go out afterwards and you smell all the smells of the freshness and the, and the life and the vigour that's coming back into all the plant life. What happens next after rain? <laughs> I went out and took a picture and I could have taken, I could have put anything up there, but all of a sudden there's growth, there's life, there's plants that are starting to reach to the heavens again instead of drooping down. There's this rain band that comes and then there's growth. And it's this, it's this idea of a flow. So you get this flow of air, which is more moisture laden, a bit cooler. It hits the warmer air. You get coalescence, you get rain, and then you get growth. And if the world was perfect and it was a new kingdom and the new heavens and the new earth, this would be timed exquisitely well so that everything just kept growing. Not too much, not too little, but we're not quite there yet. So everything's out of balance because as we know and as we believe, the world is out of whack. And why am I bringing this up? Why am I bringing up a radar picture of rain? Why am I bringing up growth? I'm not going to tell you right now, but just hold that image. Hold that image in your mind. As we come back to this verse, every act prompted by your faith. Every act prompted by your faith. So Paul, with the church at Thessalonica, as we heard over the last few weeks, he has nothing but praise, really, for the Christians at Thessalonica. But he does say, I want to add to whatever's lacking from your faith. So he's going, you're doing really well, but I want you to do even better. And we would be silly to think that how we are right now as individuals, as Christians in our faith is how we're always going to be. Because there's always movement and flow in our lives. So there's movement and flow either increasingly into Christ-likeness and increasing faithfulness, or unfortunately, this can happen, into decreasing faithfulness and more worldliness and more... Uh, indulging of the self and all that kind of stuff. So I think what's really encouraging from the church at Thessalonica is that Paul goes, you're doing really well. I want you to do better. And he's got all this advice for them. But many times he's just saying, hey, do what you're doing here. Keep doing it. This over here, just keep doing it because your, your message has just rung out to all of Macedonia and Achaia, which was all of Greece at that time. And what we saw in the last few weeks was that this, whatever was happening at Thessalonica, because the church was only planted over three weeks, as we saw, and then Paul had to get out of Dodge because he was literally getting smashed up again and then left this baby church and went away. Something was happening there. This connectedness to Jesus, this work of the Spirit was happening and so that this church was thriving. And that's why I've always felt this connection to that church because we're just a small church of nobodies from nowhere. And look what, look, look, look what he says here. This is what he says. This is what Paul says. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor pr- prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine a church like that. Imagine our church. Imagine our church. That's this church that's got this work produced by faith. And that's real work, by the way, vocational work. We've seen that many times over the last few weeks. That's whatever job you're is at the moment, whether you're engineer, pilot, stay-at-home mum, whatever. Your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love. That's where we get the old English thing from a labour of love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want us to think about these verses just for a little bit. hope you like my little transition there. Your work produced by faith. So often, when, particularly when churches go, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this new program. And many times for those of us that are really busy, we go, oh, great, something else. And we instantly feel a bit of weight, don't we? 
or we feel a bit of fear or whatever, or anxiety. So what I want you to do is get curious about that as you think about these new circles and you think about the outer circle Sunday and the full circle Sunday and the open circle Sunday and the way that we're trying to put ourselves into a starting posture for God rather than a sitting posture. What I want you to do is get really curious about the reactions that you have as you go through and don't beat yourself up. Don't go, oh, I should be more, in- I, should be, I should be feeling differently or at the same time, you know, you might feel irritated with me because I'm like pushing you again. That's fine. Just get curious about that as well. And just in prayer, take it to the Lord and just go, Lord, whatever, wherever my faith is at right now, can you please increase it over this next season that we're going to be in? Because then what's going to happen is if you ask and pray that and you're constantly taking these feelings and anxieties and, and, and thoughts to God, then what's going to happen is more and more your work will be produced by faith. And that's going to be something pretty special. Because faith, as we've seen in previous sermons, is trust and dependence on God, even for willpower to do things. And faith is also allegiance to God, allegiance to Jesus, allegiance to his call for your life. So imagine now this one act next week and hopefully many more into the future is produced by faith. That's going to be this idea of a, of a flow, of a stream of a nice weather system coming through. Not this, oh, it's dutiful, I've got to do this again. Now make no mistake, you will get tired and you'll feel grumpy and all that kind of stuff. It's not like you're just surfing this wave and you're never ever in the water. But you, I, think, I think you see where I'm going. I, w- I want our work to be produced by faith, as it says here in the scripture. The next part is, and I'm going to read this verse each time, and then I'm going to just bring out the things that are involved there. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your labour. So labour is more the idea of ongoing, incessant, banal, boring work over and over and over again. But now imagine in this new season for Willowburn that your labour is prompted by love. And in the future, we're going to spend a lot of time when I'm project managing each month the month that I get, because obviously Ben and Luke will be project managing other months, and you might want to project manage a month, so that means you preach two of the open circle Sundays, then you run the full circle. But imagine in the future that each time with this labour prompted by love idea, that more and more as we get into this sort of pattern, that instead of the banal, boring, everyday, cyclical kind of, oh, when will this stop? Now there's love inside you. And like I said, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about how this labor of love in my own experience has really brought about amazing things, amazing periods where you're able to share with people, amazing periods where you're able to serve people and so forth. But imagine again, this one act, this one act next week is going to be prompted by love. So this is fully available to us, team. Fully available, fully available to us right now. You can't turn the rain on, right? But you can ask God to come in and in courage and empower your labor so that it's a labor of love your work so that's prompted by faith we always thank god for all of you imagine one day someone's praying or speaking and they're going we always thank god for willowburn mentioning them in our prayers we continually remember before our god and father your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope your endurance inspired by hope think now about this new pattern, this rhythm, this flow that we're going into, it requires endurance. And endurance is a funny thing, isn't it? Because if I unleashed right now, what's a group of crocodiles called? A herd? A lament? I know black swans is a lament of swans. 
I don't know, a panic. Let's call it a panic. No, they don't, do they? But this day, they've come together to take you out. And, and they're good runners. And we're just going to run to the west. And they're going to keep running their super crocs. They're a panic of crocs. Let's call them a panic of crocs. And they're after you. Your endurance will be pretty amazing. It'll be way more than if I said, hey, guys, we're just going to run to the west now. Keep up with me. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's do a church program. Let's do a church program. Your endurance is going to be... Because it's inspired by fear. But here's the thing about fear... Inspiring people by fear, we know from a neuroscience, actually only has very short-term effects and it actually then brings in a whole bunch of other things. It stifles creative thinking, it stifles innovation. But if you're inspired by hope, if you're inspired by a deep-seated sense of meaning and purpose, wow, you, you can suddenly move mountains. You can suddenly do awesome things. And again, this is, this is available to us. This is available to us for next Sunday, for next week. Endurance inspired by hope. Now I want you to note again in this verse how it finishes off. So we always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope. Have you seen the little, they call it the Pauline triad, faith, hope and love. You've seen it now? Faith, hope and love. By what? In our Lord Jesus Christ. So all these three things, the triad, faith, hope and love in our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're not, in, you're not inspired by, by a faceless force or by a noble cause or just by a good example, you're, you're literally inspired by the companionship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're literally inspired by him. Now, Camille asked an awesome question before, and I don't know why this is coming out of my mouth right now, because <laughs> it may well put us on a tangent, but it's a good tangent. And it is this, would you continue to follow Jesus if you knew that there was no such thing as eternal life? If you knew that there was no such thing as the new kingdom, the new heavens, the new earth, you were just going to go into the dust, would you continue to follow Jesus? <laughs> it's a tough question. It's a great question. It could actually lead to a sermon series in the future. This very question was raised in the book of Job, wasn't it, essentially? Because Satan came and accused God and said, well, this, this, this guy of yours, Job, he only follows you because he is blessed by you. But you take away all his blessings, take away his farmlands, take away his family, take away his house, and let's see if he follows you then. Now, the reason I'm asking this is because for centuries, actually, the Israelites had no real promise of eternal life. There's little glimpses and stuff through the Old Testament, but many of them were faithful. And I don't even necessarily have an answer, but as I'm answering for myself, I would say, yes, I would, because I enjoy the companionship of Jesus. And even if I knew I was going to go into the grave, and I knew that my whole body and, and life would just ebb away and go to the maggots and whatever. I, the companionship, the person of Jesus that I've come to know is, is, is exquisitely special. It's a beautiful thing. And even if it was only for 60 or 70 or 80 years, I wouldn't want to give that up. And I think this is how the early Christians were as well. They did have the hope of eternal life, but they were willing to go through all sorts of suffering because they enjoyed the, the, the presence of Jesus. Even Stephen, the first martyr, he enjoyed the presence of Jesus. So I'm just wondering, um, and the reason I wanted to bring that out was to go, if we are going to be a faith, hope and love church, then I want us to be a, a, a church that inspired, inspired by this connectedness to, the, to, to Jesus, to, to, to walk in companionship through his spirit with Jesus. So you're all tracking with me so far. We're about halfway through the sermon. You'll be happy to know. I'm going to keep it a bit quicker today. So again, faith, hope and love, connectedness to Jesus, and then I believe that is when we will be faithful, when this faith, hope and love is a flow within us, a stream of living water in a sense, a, a weather stream that's coming through. 
So we saw a little bit of this last week with this dude that was with us. We used these, or a few weeks ago, this was with us dude because we saw this nameless, faceless nobody from nowhere. Anyone remember his name? Aristarchus. Yes, we've remembered him by the third Sunday, which is awesome. But he was with Paul, wasn't he? We saw that he was with Paul when Paul went to Rome on that final sort of voyage. And we know that Aristarchus had been with him for a few years. And we asked the question, how could that be? How could that guy stay there with Paul? Amazing, really. So that whenever Paul turned around in his persecution, in his troubles, his trials, his tribulations, there was faithfulness. There was a faithful guy with him. And I just imagine a whole church full of people like that at Thessalonica. And we asked the question, what was going on? with these nobodies from nowhere that made their message ring out. Paul says their message rang out into all of Greece, basically, and then into the world. What on earth was going on there? And so we encapsulated what was going on there with these seven words. Seven words, each one which you can attach a little story from First and Second Thessalonians, or you can attach a concept or an idea to. The first one was work. Paul emphasised over and over again this idea of work. He emphasised the idea that you would labour out of love. And he worked side by side with them as a tent maker so that he wouldn't have to be a burden on them. So yeah, so we're imagining work, imagining this idea that ministry was happening in work, service was happening in work, they were sharing one another's lives and so forth. So work wasn't something on the side of ministry, it was ministry happening within work. And I really believe that was the main reason a lot of the growth and expansion occurred for that church. And what I want to do now is just bring out this idea that the faith, hope and love and then the seven words are like this this flow of uh, like a rain band coming through that city and that area. And then to imagine in our own lives where we're going to point this rain band that God's given you, where we're going to point this life-giving weather stream. Because I can guarantee that right now, despite the facade and despite the mask that many people wear, there is this drought in people's hearts. They might have their little kind of gated gardens that are nice and green, but there's just a drought. There's, there's, there's suffering, there's struggle. Uh, and I, I can tell you, I work with accomplished people that you would not think that is the case. And yet the more, more and more I get to know them, I realise that there's this, there is a drought within each human being and it needs to be filled. It needs to have water. It needs to have life-giving rain. It needs to have this, this weather stream. So what I imagine next week is, and not just on Sunday, but in our work is imagine and ask God for faith, hope and love. So can you imagine your work now, but with faith, hope and love? And maybe the Sunday is going to be emergent in a sense. So you're going to, out of your work week is going to emerge what you're going to do next Sunday and in future Sundays when we have our outer circle Sundays. Now, can you imagine how refreshing it would be, even as a boss, to have someone working for you that's full of faith, hope and love? And imagine with me what you'd want to do. Wouldn't you want to ask them questions? Wouldn't you want to uh, have a chat with them about why they're like this? And this would be over the long term. So that's why you're going to need faith, faith, faith hope and love, hope inspired by endurance. The next one is the word, and you're missing out on these awesome transitions. Oh, no, you still get them because Becky's doing it for me. The word, we were talking there about the word of God, talking there about how the church at Thessalonica evidently had this great respect for the scriptures and the teachings and of the apostles at that time. And I was talking about how this word had got into my own bloodstream and the ideas, the themes, the concepts the names, they're all in my bloodstream in a sense. They help me to see you differently. They help me to see the world differently. I can guarantee 
I would not be in church ministry if, it, if I did not have this life-giving word within me as a faith, hope and love enabler. We then talked about <laughs> wounds. The church at Thessalonica, like Paul, experienced wounds for Jesus, persecutions, tribulations, trials. And if you want to live a just life now, or you want to live a righteous life, you want to live a life that's worthy of God, you can probably expect some wounds because at some point it's going to clash. It's going to clash with the way the world is. And we asked the question again last week, who had wounds because of Jesus? And I think we all do. We can expect those. But we also talked about if you go rewind a couple of weeks into the mental health sermon that I did, in a sense, we embrace our wounds because we're embracing how Christ disabled himself. We're embracing weakness and showing that weakness doesn't have or disablement or disempowerment or de-strengthening because of these wounds does not have the final word. In fact, it actually shapes us and changes us and makes us strong for Jesus. Worth. So these are all the things that are happening in the church at Thessalonica. Paul asked them to live a life worthy of God. So this is a sanctified life, a set apart life. You know, I've found over the last, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, I've gone in my family who no dancing, no drinking, no kind of any fun to the other side of the church, which is it's almost like they don't have boundaries anymore. And it might be what you watch on TV or Netflix or what you're looking at on Facebook or looking at on your phones. But I just ask you to, to consider if you're going to live a life worthy of God, what, where is your boundary? I'm not saying I'm not going to make the boundary for you, but where is the boundary in terms of time spent on these screens? And two, the content. Because do not think for a moment that it does not affect your worldview. It does. Do not think for a moment that it does not affect your relationship with Jesus. It absolutely does. Do not think for a moment that it is not going to in some way contaminate faith, hope and love. It will. And maybe if you're experiencing powerlessness in your life, it is because you have not established the boundary where God wants you to establish the boundary. All through the Old Testament, there's a set apartness. That's living a life worthy of God. That's what sanctification literally means, set apart. They were different to the rest of the world. I love literature, I love movies, I love art, but I can tell you there's a very firm line and that thing gets turned off when it needs to get turned off and things get fast-forwarded when they need to get fast-forwarded. I'm just asking you to think what that means. Don't give up on this concept that has been in a church for millennia of holiness before God. Don't think that just because of grace, that this grace doesn't want to get inside you and make you a holy person. Because holiness, in so much as it is expressing faith, hope and love, will express healthy relationships, not dysfunctional relatedness. Is that, is that fair? And you see that Paul calls them to that. He calls it to very clearly. The next one, please, Becky, is this idea of warmth. So we already mentioned labour and work and how Paul would have had almost this warmth about him, I believe. And so the warmth of sharing his life. So you could, unlike, say, big pulpit pastors, you could see his day-to-day life in the nitty-gritty of work, which I just think was such a special thing. Who would have thought you could sit down with the Apostle Paul and, and watch him as he made tents and asking questions and that kind of thing? And to me, it's such a picture of how we are to be next Sunday, just to open up your lives. You've probably already got activities that you do. Maybe they're even video games. <laughs> I know that can, that can be if it's a properly set in place, boundaries and so forth. You can definitely be talking to people and so forth. But whatever it is, to invite people into that. So maybe, you know, the meal is the most obvious one. And I think Tim was going to put some stuff up at the end. But there's many other ideas. And just to pray about this, I know for me, I I like to stay fit. So I'm fully intending on, you know, trying to invite some more of the lads around uh, and ladies as well if they want. And we'll do like a 
big workout like we used to do, uh, but also uh, looking and opening up our home a bit more. That warmth idea, you see that at the church at Thessalonica, that idea of sharing their lives. The second last W word was want, and that was the idea of wanting the new kingdom and the new heaven and the new earth. This idea of yearning for the new kingdom and the new heaven and the new earth. And Paul even says, encourage each other with these words, which were words about the new heavens and the new earth and the new kingdom and about Jesus' return. To have this sort of, yep, almost stereo optic kind of vision of, okay, if stuff happening right now, need to be conscious of that, but also stereopsis looking to the future, looking over the horizon and going, this is not staying the way it is. And again, we saw that at the church at Thessalonica. And again, imagining faith, hope and love within that. Some people get into, oh, Jesus is coming, hunker down. I just, I just, I like reading good books, right? And I'm looking for good literature and I get online and I find this book and it's number one on Christian fantasy and sci-fi. I'm not going to say what it is, but you can go and look it up yourself. I think, okay, I'll read that. So I start reading and it's sort of about this apocalyptic vision of Wall Street collapsing and people running around basically shooting each other, trying to get lunch or dinner or whatever. I'm thinking, okay, fair enough, fair enough. There's this Christian dude who's a country and Western singer and it's kind of exciting. Anyway, I'm going to give you some plot spoilers. They get to a point where one of the kids in their little commune, they they go to this commune and basically just stay there and hunker down, guns, all sorts of stuff. They get to this point where one of the kids gets kidnapped. They manage to get him back. They get one of the kidnappers and Pastor Joel, his name is, his ex-biker, says, we're going to have to teach this guy a lesson and we can't just let him back out into public. So we're going to saw his leg off. So there's all this kind of dialogue back and forth about whether that's a Christian thing to do. In the end, they saw his leg off. (laughs) And then he says, what I'll do once I've sawed his leg off is I'll give him the gospel because he needs to be saved. And I'm just like, this to me, I'm sorry, Tiff, I love America. In America, you see the best of the best and the worst of the worst. It's just almost schizophrenic sometimes. I lived there for two years. You see the worst of the worst, the best. And right there in that little picture, you see the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And it's like, well, if that is what it looks like in an apocalyptic future for Christians, they're no different. They're just as violent. They're just as ugly. And they're even more ugly because there's Christian words coming out their mouth the whole time. You know, Christians all through history when faced with their own apocalypse, their own ending, have chosen death and have chosen to suffer and have chosen to die well rather than run around sawing people's legs off. So I don't even know why that came up, but it just shows one extreme of this whole, we need to hunker down and there's actually a little thing at the end for preppers so you can go and um, look at Anyway. If you know what I'm trying to say though, like you get these weird extremes and yet like I just want this hope, this, this, this hope of the future to be vibrant and to be changing our behaviour but not making us hunker down in some commune. Not that that would happen. Hope, I hope not anyway. And then the final one, the final W word was this wonder, the wonder of the companionship of the Holy Spirit which I said basically infuses all those other W words. The wonder of walking with God, being inspired by God, by actually being able to say to Jesus through the Spirit, today my willpower is lacking, today my, my productivity is down, today I'm a bit tetchy with my boss, I'm sorry about that, can you make me a better person? Can you show me a better way? Can you show me the faith, hope and love way? Can you show me, with all these other words, can you show me what that looks like when you empower it? Can you show me what it looks like in this church when he activates spiritual gifts within all of us, when he activates faith, hope and love, faith, hope and love in our work, in our words, in the wounds that we bear and the way that we bear them, in our worth, a life worthy of God, a sanctified life, 
in the warmth of sharing our lives, faith, hope and love from the wonder of the Holy Spirit, from the, from the, from the want, from the yearning for something more, for the new life, never forgetting that. And I really do believe, but I really do believe these words. So think about it as a rain band. Think about it as a weather stream that you've kind of got at your fingertips. And you're going to take it into the drought of your world where, where so many people are just, they, they would just love a cup of water, let alone drenching rain. And you've got, you've got this idea of faith, hope and love. You've got this rhythm, this pattern, this flow of work and word and wounds and worth and warmth and, and want and wonder. And, and, and you're, just, you're just taking it as a, as a weather pattern. And you're, just, you're, just, you're now God's agent to, to bring life and to bring growth. I don't know, is that, is that even, does that, does that feel possible to you? I mean, what, what's happening in your minds at the moment? Is it, oh, it's, nah, it's too, maybe there's other things crowding in. I'm too busy. It hasn't worked so far. I'm barely getting by myself. This living water, this stream, this weather band is available to you. It's available to you. And so as I get to the end of this sermon, Becky, uh, Joe, if you could just go to the next one. I'm just, I'm just asking, can we, can we rework our lives? I literally mean rework, re-work our lives into a faith, hope and love work into a connectedness to Jesus' work, into a, a wonder of the Holy Spirit work, walking with you every day. And don't, don't get me wrong, don't think you're going to go out there and you're going to just be smelling tulips and roses and eating chocolate spiritually and, and kind of just hearing an anthem in the background all the time of Hillsong music. That is not what's going to happen here. And it's not what happened for the church at Thessalonica. They were sweaty and dirty and smelly and they had all the human things that were going on for those humans and yet there was something burning within them. They had life, they had flow, they had energy, they had the wonder of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just asking if it could happen for them. I've got no doubt at all that it could happen for us. And I'm just thinking to myself, it starts with just one small step. It just starts with next week. Just starts with this one work prompted by faith. And maybe you've already got it. You already know what you're going to do next week, next Sunday in our outer circle Sunday. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's going to come to you through the week. But I'm just asking to, first of all, pray about it, to speak to your God about it. And to say, okay, Lord, I want to be faithful to you. I want to be faith hyphen for. I want to go further. I want to go deeper. And then what is this work, this action for next week? What will this one work prompted by faith be? So before we go into another share and pray, uh, because we're going to pray for each other about the out circle, I just wanted to remind you of our pattern. This is our new seven W's, seven W from Thessalonica words pattern, full of faith, hope and love and full of the wonder of the Holy Spirit. So the idea is that as we go into our lives, I want us to maybe come back to these. I know I'll be coming back to it when I project manage out the months that I do. I'll be coming back to how are we going with the word? How are we going with our work? How can we pray for you with that? How are we going with the wounds? Who's, who's, who's carrying some wounds? How are you dealing with that? How are we going with worth? How are you going with living a life with, where you set boundaries? What about warmth? How are you going with sharing your life? This, this cycle, it's got to be a flow. It can't be a stagnant pool. I was thinking as I was preparing for this sermon, you know, once a jolly swag man, camp by a billabong. Have you seen a billabong? I don't want you to be a billabong. Billabongs are muddy and smelly and there's no doubt you'll get some sort of disease if you drink from a billabong. Better than nothing. Better than nothing. <laughs> Cows can drink from billabongs. I don't think us with our sterile stomachs from modern 21st century Toowoomba would handle billabongs very well these days. I don't want us to be a billabong. It wants to be a flow. There has to be a flow. So the warmth, the want of a new heaven and a new earth and encouraging each other with these words. Like, so I don't know how that plays out exactly, but
but I think it means maybe encouraging each other with the fact that there is going to be a new kingdom and a new heaven and a new earth. I think that does have to be part of our DNA and our flow. And then what was the last one? I did five. Oh, the wonder, the wonder of the Holy Spirit. Are we staying conscious of God's Holy Spirit within us? So I'm just going to pray. And as I pray, uh, I'd just like you to, if we could just go to the next slide, please, Beck. I'd like us just to consider what this one work will be. And we're just going to share a little bit together. And I'm just going to pray. Well, Father, we've had a few technical difficulties this morning, but it doesn't stop your message. And it certainly won't stop your power, nor your life-giving, refreshing water that is waiting within each of us to be poured out as a flowing stream to the world that we have found ourselves in. Each of us has unique relationships in a unique context. No one else has it. And each of us has been called to be faithful, to be people of faith, hope and love, to be people who walk in the wonder and the companionship of the Holy Spirit and connectedness to Jesus, who will take this life-giving water, this weather stream, and will point it and pour it into our everyday lives. Some of us need it at home. Some of us are so dry and maybe all we've got is a cup to share, but I just pray that in faithfulness we would share that anyway and wait, wait for the rain to fall again. Wait upon you. In our workplaces, maybe we've seen them as just boring and dull and just getting through to the weekend. Or, but I pray that we would see the people and the faces uniquely made and put into our path, into our relationship so that we might bring life and we might serve them well. And Lord, even, even as I was preaching, even as I was preaching, there was that message coming through on my phone about our one act. I know that you are blessing this and that you have put your hand upon it and you would like to prompt our faith. You would like to encourage us and whatever, whatever strongholds have built up, Lord, I just pray in the name of the living Lord Jesus that these would be broken down. You tell us to take captive every thought. So I pray that that is what would happen even now as we share one with another, that your spirit would come amongst us in power. In Jesus' name, amen.